I felt led to continue, um, continue the series we're on, the Salvation Series. And if you're watching online, you're on Facebook, go ahead and share this because I want people to hear about salvation. There is no way to convince people that you love them if you're not talking about their salvation. Helping people have money is not really love. Saving somebody out of a burning house is not really the, the biggest way to show, largest way to show you love someone. Being in the military is not the greatest way to show you love someone. Defending people's freedom naturally is not the greatest way. The greatest way is to preach salvation. It doesn't matter if you save people from a burning house or save people from uh, a police officer or a military or a medic. It doesn't matter if you do all those things and the people you save go to hell. It doesn't matter. The best thing we can do is focus right now on making sure that we are saved and our family and our friends are saved. And we are in the middle of a salvation series because if I truly cared about you, I would talk about your eternity. And I know you're not used to seeing love in the world we live in. I know people aren't used to people loving people. This is the definition of loving somebody. You would, you would say, if you gave me money, you love me. Money won't, won't give you a whole lot. You would say, well, if you would just give me things on the earth, you'd love me. No, that's not true. If I would make sure you knew how to be saved, I love you. That's the bottom line. So we're on part four today, and the first lesson was on priorities. Priorities. It has to be your priority to be saved. If it is not your number one priority to be saved, I'm going to waste your time today. You're going to get mad at me. You have to want to be saved more than anything else. More than you want your job, your family, your friends, you want to be saved. You've got to be willing to give everything up for Jesus. Everything. Everything. He'll give you everything back, but you've got to be willing to give everything up for Jesus. He's first. He's number one. And your priority is to know him and be saved. And the church that you attend, Austin First Church, it cares about you. We care about you enough to prioritize salvation, being right with God, over your comfort, over whether you feel warm and fuzzy all the time. There are a lot of churches in Austin you can go to that will help you feel comfortable. But this church has been mandated. I have been mandated to preach the Word of God to challenge you. I am convinced today that everything in the world is fighting. The church ought to fight too. I'm convinced everyone's trying to take us down and I have to stand up with the same passion and fervency to help you get pulled up i can't be casual in the last days i can't hint i can't beat around the bush i've got to get serious so if you sense this from me if you sense the lion and not just the lamb it is because we are up against a war and your family and your kids are at stake and your children's souls are on the line and this is not a game to me And so if you feel the seriousness in my tone or my spirit is because I'm angry at this world. I'm upset at this world system. And I want people to be right with God. The second series on the lessons, you can go back to Facebook and watch it, was part two, we need saving. If you don't know that you need saving, you need to go watch that message because just look around the world. We need saving, y'all. We need saving. Look how bad the world is. We need saving. Don't complain one minute about how bad things are and then act like you don't need God the next. The world needs Jesus. I need Jesus. 
I know me. Do you know you? I know me. I need Jesus. I need to pray. It's not just a want. I need it. I need the Word of God. I know me. I know that I'm a sinner except the Lord saves me. I know I need church. I need church. I've got to have this to make it. There's no denying it. We're messed up without Jesus. Number three, the third lesson. Belief is just the beginning. People say, I believe. And that's all they do. They say, I believe. But they don't go forward. They don't do anything else but their belief. 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 If you believe, you will receive and you will obey. Any believers in the house today? If you're truly a believer, it manifests outward. It's not just inward. You can say that you believe, you can call yourself a believer, but you could be deceived. If there's no fruit in your life, then you're just talking it. It's a talking religion. If you say, I'm devoted, but you barely come to church, you're not devoted. That's just the truth. If you don't pray and you don't care about the word, you're lying to yourself, and ain't nobody else going to love you enough to tell you that you're deceived but me. Everybody else in your, in your life's trying to get you to get a retirement. I'm trying to get you to go to heaven. Everybody else in your life's trying to get you to be happy. I'm trying to get you to be happy forever. Everybody else in your life's trying to make you feel good. I'm trying to make you feel good forever. I care about your feelings. I care about your feelings when you die, not just while you're alive. Everybody else in the world wants you to feel good right now. I want you to feel good forever. That's the church, that's the gospel. We do have a nursery to anyone who's got young kids. Sometimes they do get a little loud. Right through here, if you need that, we provide that for anyone who needs a nursery just for babies. But we're not upset. We love our babies. We just want to make sure our new people and guests know about it. If you need to go to that, we've set it up for you. God bless you. So today we go to our number four. Number four, and this is about the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. You see, the Bible is becoming less and less relevant today. The Bible is becoming more of a sore topic for people. People don't believe the Bible. Now, I have a new Bible because the other day I complained about not being able to see it. And somebody bought me a large print Bible. I am so thankful. Let me turn it upside down. Hold on, it's the wrong way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I can see this so much better. And it's even got my name printed on there. And uh, wow, thank, I think Sister Hughes did it. I, I give her honor. Sister Hughes, my wife, told me. And so thank you for that Bible. But I, I love the Word of God. I, 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 would, uh, I would do anything for the Word of God. I trust the Word of God. Here's why I trust the Word of God. It's never messed up. People have messed me up. People have lied to me and tricked me. I've never tried the Word of God and it ever backfired, ever. I spent a lot of time studying the Word of God. It is incredible. I am a young pastor who still believes in the validity of the Word of God. I believe this thing smarter than anybody in the world. I believe this is truth. I believe this is life. I believe we've got to have this to be saved. I know that it's under attack. I know it because I find myself not being able to use scripture anymore to help people. Yeah. I'm like, oh, do you know Jesus? No. Well, let me tell you about him. Let's open up our Bibles to, they're like, what's a Bible? How do I know I can trust the Bible, right? 
I find myself more and more not able to use the Bible because people don't believe in it. People don't have faith in it. And so this week I felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to come up here and try my best to defend the Word of God and to tell you how the Bible is actually the way to complete your salvation. Now, I want you to listen to me closely today, okay? The Bible is not the beginning of our salvation. I know that sounds strange, but it's actually not the first thing that you need to be saved. It's actually the completion of your salvation. And today, I hope I can prove to you that we need the Word of God, but I want to put it in the right perspective, in the right order, because the world is telling us that, that the Bible's not enough, and I think I understand what they're saying, because we present the Bible first, when the Bible's not the only way to prove that God exists. And we throw scriptures at people that don't believe in it, and the problem is, is the Word of God is not believed, and there's probably people here today, here, here's how you know you don't really believe the Word of God, you don't study it. No, not like, I believe the Word of God, it's dear in my heart. It's got dust all over it. You don't believe it. If you don't study it, you don't believe it. Let's just be honest today. Be real. You need to be honest in church, okay? The best place to be honest. Don't be fooled by our house outfits. We tell the truth around here, okay? Yeah. So, so the Bible's becoming less and less relevant, and that's, that's what I want to deal with today, if, if you don't mind. So many so-called Christians don't take the Word of God seriously. And here's what they hate about it. It must be studied to be understood, and that requires time and commitment. And we don't have that, right? Because we're super busy on Facebook and TikTok or whatever cool thing out there that all the cool people do these days. We're so busy working. We're so busy trying to make a dollar, two, three jobs. We're so busy taking care of family who can't get their act together. We're so busy taking care of grandkids and nephews and uncles and people and grandmas. Everybody's taking care of everybody these days because we, did, we have a nation that's messed up and people can't take care of themselves, so you spend most of your time trying to rescue somebody else. Where you can barely get yourself above water. No one has time anymore. And the Word of God requires time to know it, and this is why we don't like it. Because you can't just pick it up and it say, wear a pink shirt and you'll go to heaven. Okay. Good job, Brother Eddie. You're saved. Good job, some of y'all. He's got pink on. All right, sis. Good. We, we don't like the Word of God because you actually have to think about it, pray about it, study it, investigate it. And the reason why I have a hard time getting people to love the Word of God or to study the Word of God is because it's a commitment. God didn't make it easy, just like he doesn't make relationships easy, to see if you're serious about them. God did not make the Word of God easy because He wants you to dig. He wants you to want it. He wants you to be hungry and thirsty. If He made it easy, it wouldn't have the impact. So, so the difficulty of God's Word is good for us. Uh, the, the Word of God's too hard for me to understand. No, it's not. Look, y'all, I, I didn't, I'm not some genius. I understand the Word of God. I'm no better than anybody else. The difference is I spend my time and my heart invested in it, and that's why I receive from it and understand it and can talk about it. Y'all can talk about anything you love. Some of y'all can talk about fishing for hours and, and just don't even have to have notes. <laughs> oh, hold on, I'm going to give a testimony up here. I've got to get my notes out. I'm like, no, you don't. What's in your heart comes out naturally. 
Some of y'all can talk about y'all's profession and what you love and politics all day long. But they couldn't talk about trains for hours. He loves trains. See, some of this stuff, you don't have to have notes because you've downloaded it already into your spirit. It's amazing what you spend your time studying is just in your heart and you can talk about it. But it takes time and commitment and interest. That's why people hate the Bible because you can't just pick it up and read it. You've got to study it. Okay? Uh, more reasons why people hate the Bible. It reveals where I'm at right now. It tells me I'm a sinner. And people have a lot of issues here in the truth these days. So they don't like the Word of God. Because the Word of God, you pick it up and it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I need God to be saved. Well, I don't want to hear that. I'm my own boss. I'm my own master. I don't want to hear that. So people don't like the Bible because it tells them the truth about themselves. It tells them where they are. And it tells them where they're going. The Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So the Word of God is hated by people because people don't want to hear the truth about where they are right now and they don't want to hear where they're going because they don't like to think about their future being a devil's hell. The Word of God is hated because it isn't logical. doesn't make logical sense, does it? It drives you crazy, doesn't it? You're reading the Bible, you're one minute God's like, kill them all, next minute like, I'll die for you. It's not logical, is it? And the reason why people hate the Bible is because they can't just figure it out logically. People are too smart for the Bible these days. Yeah, they're too smart. That's not a good thing, by the way. Which is another way of saying people can't handle anything they can't explain because it takes faith. The world now is so smart that they can't read the Bible and believe it because they're so smart now. The Bible doesn't make sense to them. God help us. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth, the Bible says. Study, study, study. Doctorate degrees and college degrees, all kinds of degrees. But yet we can't understand the Bible because this is a faith book, not a logical book. It's a spiritual book. You've got to get in the spirit to understand the Bible. You can't think about the Bible. You've got to pray about the Bible. You've got to have a heart for the Bible. So people don't want to read the Bible because it's not a logical book. Christians today hate admitting that they don't know everything about the Bible when they're pressed for answers. They think that they have to know everything about the Bible. So they'd rather just not know anything about the Bible. Because they can't stand the fact that they don't know everything and they can't defend everything. So they just say, well, I'm going to give up on it. And here's what they do. Listen to me. This is what they do. People these days will water down the Bible to their friends as just an inspirational book. Because it's a lot easier to call it an inspirational book because then you don't have to study it then you don't have to quote it or understand it. So let's just water down the Bible and act like it's just poetry. It's just there for helps. It's just there to kind of boost our, our morale a little bit. And so now today, this generation, it, it, it uses any version. It doesn't study Greek and Hebrew because it doesn't want to really take the word literally. It wants to water it down. And now when you talk to people who study the Bible, they say it doesn't really matter. It's just there to encourage us. It's just broad. The Bible says broad is the way to destruction. Everything's broad now in the Bible. It doesn't really mean what you think it means. It can mean anything. And so what's happening today is people water down the Word of God to their friends as just an inspirational book that doesn't need to be taken literally. They have made it a giant fortune cookie. That's now what the Bible is to people. And these are the reasons why people hate to study and hate the Word of God. And literally people hate the Bible today we're living in. They're against it. People lost their minds over Roe v. Wade getting overturned. 
They're mad, and they think all these Christians are just horrible people, and they hate the Bible. And there's people tweeting some stuff, cuss words about the Bible. People were tweeting uh, 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 blank, blank the Bible, all kinds of bad stuff about the Bible. Even their own friends were like, you're crazy for saying that. Even the atheists thought that was too far. Well, that's interesting. The Bible is the source of who we are, and the world knows it. Therefore, the world is against the Bible. But I love the Bible. I think it's timeless. It's the expression of God. If God wanted to express himself and he wrote a book, it would be the Bible. It's the record of God. It's not easy to understand, what makes, which makes it interesting to me. I like a good mystery. I don't know about you. Some of y'all like it all plain? No, I like the mysteries. I like unraveling the riddles. I like sitting there with a cup of coffee being like, what in the world just happened? An angel come out of where? See, some of y'all, y'all like Harry Potter, but not the Bible. Are you serious? You get a rise out of Netflix shows, but you can't get into the book, to the Holy Bible? This stuff's real, y'all. This is actually a real thing. This has been tested and proven to be real by millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the Bible. And my life is actually better because I study the Bible. And I live the Bible. I am a testimony that it's actually a better life obeying the Bible. I don't care what anybody says about it. I've lived it. I've tried it. I've studied it. And my life is better for it. You can't convince me that the Word of God is not real. Now, a little history lesson, all right? This is the part where I need everybody to wake up real good. From what we know, Moses recorded the first events of the Bible timeline. From what we know. Some of y'all that like this kind of stuff, this is going to be kind of cool, all right? Many, many theologians say that he wrote down the first five books of the Bible. That would be from the time period of Adam, creation, Adam, the first man, through his own journey and his own life to the end, right there to the end of his own life, to the beginning of Joshua as the leader of God's people. So many theologians believe that Moses is the one who wrote the beginning of the Bible. But Moses lived... When did Moses live? Around 1300 to 1400 B.C., which is an estimated 2,700 years after creation. If the earth is around 6,000 years since creation to now, then I believe that means there would be about 2,700 years worth of historical data that Moses was told to write down. From that knowledge and from the scriptures that indicate Moses wrote books of the Bible, we can conclude that God was interacting with humanity long before holy records were ever being kept. Uh-oh, what does that mean? That means God doesn't need a Bible to talk to people. That's powerful, y'all. We need to know this. We, we, when we have a Bible, we can't imagine a day where there was no Bible because we've always had one. But there was a day when there was no Scripture to reference. There was a time in humanity where there was no Scripture and verse to go back to. 
There was a time in humanity where God dealt with men and women as individuals uh, and he used men to talk to men and women to talk to women before there was ever a written record. God dealt with humanity. This is not to say that writings were not kept, but we cannot prove that they were kept that early on. We have no reference for that. Scripture was not the original medium by which people heard about God. Originally, God was known because he spoke with humanity like Adam and Eve and because humanity shared testimonials about others that God had spoken to. Original worship was obviously taught by God outside of the Garden of Eden as seen with Cain and Abel. God still talked and dealt with humanity outside the Garden. God did not just talk to humanity inside paradise. Even after the fall of man, God is found talking with Cain and with Abel as they brought an offering to God outside the garden. God still talked to people. And he still talks to people today too. Even without a Bible, he talks to people. Even without a scripture reference, God moves on people. Even without any kind of church nearby, God talks to people. Even in the jungles of Africa. God talks to people. That's going to matter later. We have record that God had a dialogue with his sinful creation after the fall. Don't tell me that people in sin can't hear from God. Don't you tell me people that are living under the old covenant can't hear from God. Don't tell me that people can't hear from God all across the world, no matter where they may be, no matter their pedigree, no matter where they come from, God talks to sinners. You would have never come to church if God hadn't talked to you. When you were a sinner, God talked to you. God speaks to people that don't speak to him because he, he has no boundaries or rules or laws on how he deals with humanity. He doesn't need a book to talk to people. He could find you without all of that. We have evidence of it. It makes logical sense. It makes biblical sense. Lastly and therefore, we don't need the Bible to tell us there's a God. I know, it's, it's like, what in the world? Is this guy anti-Bible? Listen to every word that I say closely. We don't need the Bible to tell us that there is a God. Listen to every word carefully. We don't need the Bible to tell us there is a higher power. We have other ways of knowing that our God exists. First, intuition. Who taught the cave dwellers long ago who have never been educated that there was a God? You know, history tells us that these people from thousands of years back would draw on the wall seemingly pictures of gods. Who told them there was a God? Huh? Let's just take a little science lesson. Let's just think for a little bit today. Who told humanity that there was a God? Well, God's not real. He don't speak to nobody. God spoke to somebody. Well, no, you got to go to church to find out there's a God. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just gotta. You just gotta have His Spirit. You just gotta be be breathed into by God. You just gotta have a connection to God. And we know from Adam and Eve that we, as creation, we are the extension of God. And the reason why we long for God 
and we long for more is because we've been disconnected from God. So, so who told the earliest cave dwellers thousands of years ago, who told the earliest tribes in the world that there is a higher power? There were no colleges. There were no teachers. It was just intuition. It's almost as if God has been talking to people from the beginning and they knew that there was a God from the very beginning. So firstly, our intuition tells us that there's a higher power, there is a God. Some say it's because people used to be dumber. And you Christians are stupid. People of a higher education that are atheists that don't believe in God think we're dumb today for gathering in this church. They think we're stupid. Some of your friends and family may think you're dumb for going to church. Some of your peers at work may think that you're ignorant because you still believe in the fairy, the fairy tale in the sky. Some people think we're just cavemen. We don't know any better. We're stupid, we're ignorant people that never were educated. And if we could go to college, they would tell us there is no God. And we would finally be free. The day that we live in, people think you're dumb if you have faith. Yeah. I think that's funny because we can't change a sink faucet without a YouTube video, five hours of time, and three trips to Home Depot. But we want to slam our ancestors for being so stupid after they hand-built their own homes and harvested their own food, and we get mad when H-E-B runs out of almond milk that's our brand. Holler at me on who's stupid, really. I think we're the dumber generation. We've been taught the dumbest stuff. We've been told there is no God. We've been told we can make it without God. We've been told trust the government. We've been told trust people. We've been told the lies of the enemy, and here we are all falling apart, scared for one EMP to go off to shut down the internet, and we'll all scramble and kill each other and eat our chickens and dogs for breakfast. We don't know what we're going to do in the end times because, because we're so smart, right? We're so smart, the world's falling apart around us. And we call our ancestors dumb? I don't think they're dumb. I think if it had not been for the power of God, they would have never made it. Who taught man how to make fire? Who taught man how to have a build a wheel? Who taught man how to have anything? There's a higher power out there, ladies and gentlemen. There's a God that speaks to man. We're not dumb. We're actually smarter when we're closer to God. We're dumber when we're further from God. The world wasn't, didn't used to be this bad, y'all. You know why it's worse now? Because we've disconnected more from God. We think we're wiser now with all of our education and money and tools we think we don't need God. And people want to call me dumb? I beg to differ. I'm not dumb. I think I'm very smart for believing in God. I think I'm wise for believing in God. I think that I'm one of the smartest people in the entire world because I have enough sense to know that it's not a human thing. It's not just a big bang, but it's a big God. I know the truth about it. It makes more sense to believe in God than to believe we just showed up one day. That I came from a monkey. People literally believe we came from monkeys, yet the monkeys aren't turning into people still. And I'm the stupid one for getting dressed up and coming up in here and paying my 10%. You calling me dumb? Look in the mirror. You believe in monkeys, I believe in miracles. You, you believe we come from apes. 
And I, I've seen miracles and signs and wonders. I'm not dumb. I'm not crazy. Lord, help us, this, this, this world. They say our ancestors were, were dumb and that when you get educated, you naturally stop believing in God. But I disagree. I believe that instinct says there is a God. And I believe that people are mostly influenced to no longer believe in God. I believe that teaching there is no God is the problem. I, I don't believe it's innate in us to believe there is no God. I believe it's innate in us to believe there is a God. Did y'all know in the world, the majority of people believe there is a God? You know, our establishment these days loves to take polls. And they love to do all these polls to see what truth is. Because truth is whatever is voted on, right? Well, then let's just vote. Let's ask the whole world for a vote. Is there a higher power? And the world would vote, yes. But yet our atheist college friends tell us there is no God. Really? You're smarter than everybody, aren't you? What pride you have. What haughty pride you have to tell the entire world there is no God. Who do you think you are telling the entire world that most of them believe in a higher power? The problem with our world is not that they don't believe in God. The problem is they don't know who God is. Now, that's our issue. And that's what eventually will bring us to the Bible. Because the world, in their spirit, the majority of them believes there is something missing in me and believes there must be a God that I didn't just show up here. And so without the Bible, you can conclude just through intuition that there is a God. I believe that when left alone, Humanity will always drift towards believing in a higher power and not the other way around. Stop telling kids there is no God and see where they end up. Oh, how hypocritical the liberals are. How hypocritical they are to tell them that we can't tell our, that we can't tell our kids there's a God, but they can tell them if they're a boy or a girl. How hypocritical are we? To, let, to say it's your choice and your body. I say then get off my faith. Quit telling me there is no God. Let me believe what I want to believe. If you're so all about freedom and liberty, then let me have the liberty to raise my kids in a Christian school. The hypocrisy of our day. Truth will always have hypocrites. Yeah. Always be a hypocrite fighting against that truth. There'll always be somebody fighting against that truth. Watch this world closely in their arguments because they don't stand. They don't hold water. They don't make sense. Everything the agenda of the enemy has for the last days, you'll find holes all up in their ideas and doctrines. They never are fluid like the truth of God's word. You can't stand on them. Here's the second way we know that there's a God. Creation testifies there's a God. I will use scripture for this to help make my point, but you don't have to. You'll agree. You don't have to have it. Psalms 19 and 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. That doesn't mean the place where there's streets of gold and gates of pearl. That means look in the sky, get a telescope. I just by chance saw a news article that says we think we may have proven that there's an edge to existence. And I thought, well, that's interesting because in the beginning they said we can't build a telescope long enough 
to find the edge. But then all of a sudden, now they're saying, maybe there is an edge. It's hard to tell. And the first thing I thought is, if God created it, then that means there probably is an edge. Just like there's a boundary to me and there's a boundary to you. There's a boundary to things that are created. But beyond the edge, there is heaven. Beyond the edge, there is things you can't see. Beyond the edge, there's not the tangible. There's the invisible. And that began to excite me because there has to be probably an edge of things you can touch. Because that's the edge of things you can't touch. I thought that was pretty cool. You look up in the sky and you think about how much is out there and you think about how big everything is and the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. All of that does is shout that there's no evolution or monkeys that we come from. All of that shouts. There's no just accidents in the universe. All of that shouts. There's something greater and bigger. Just go ask the artist who made the painting. It was the artist. The credit goes to the artist. We love the painting but that's because we believe in the artist stuff beautiful stuff doesn't just happen leave your garden alone see what happens chaos happens when you don't touch it chaos happens not order not organization people look at the world and go this is all one big accident isn't it beautiful when's the last time you made a beautiful accident Oh, I, I ran into, a, I ran into a, a tree that day with my car. My car looks beautiful now. That is ridiculous. The heavens declare his glory. Go take a trip, look at a mountain, watch a waterfall, and sit there and tell me you still believe you came from a monkey. Sit there and still tell me that you don't think there was a creator and a designer of this entire universe and world. The heavens tell us. Uh, watch this. Look, the sun... The moon, the mountains, and the water are so powerful, people used to think they were gods. What does that tell you? You know what that tells you? They don't seem like they could be made by anything but a god. They didn't know. They thought there was a god. They just didn't know who God was. Now, i got to read you Romans 1 and 18. That's the New Testament scripture on the same context. All right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, Everything that's made produces a manifestation of belief that because it's all been made, there must be a creator. It was God that had made all of this. Even his eternal power and his Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. While creation may tell people that there is a God, it's not enough to save them. We still drift to our sinful nature because it's not enough to have an intuition there's a God. And it's not enough to look out at a waterfall and go, there must be a God. We need more. And that more is this blessed book called the Bible. We don't need the Bible to tell us there is a God. We need the Bible to tell us who God is. 
The Bible is valid to you and I, not to everybody else. It's valid to the Christians. And scriptures don't work on unbelievers. They just don't. Living out the scriptures is the only way to validate the scriptures. You have to live the Bible before anybody believes in the Bible. You don't preach the Bible. You preach what God's doing in your life because of the Bible. And because you're living, we're living epistles read and known of all men, the Bible tells us. Because we are evidence of the Bible, we make the Bible valid. The Bible doesn't make us valid. We make it valid. We are more testifiable than the book. This is why the Bible says in John that the Word became flesh. Because the Word is not believed unless it's manifested. And that's why you and I, we are the manifestation of the Word of God. That's why you've got to study the Word of God more than preach the Word of God. Study the Word of God so you can be the Word of God. And then people will believe the Word of God. People don't believe you on a street corner going, Thus saith the Word of God, if repenteth todayeth. If I addeth, th'eth, it make me as more anointeth. That does not help anything. There are people that have videos, y'all, and they're standing on street corners and they're preaching and people are walking by just mad at them all day. They're like, don't you believe the book? They're like, no. Yeah. I guess we have in our minds with this image of all the disciples walking around with their Bibles being like, have you read? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only way to prove the Bible is to live it out. And to live what you preach. Don't ever preach something. Don't ever preach something that you can't live. Because all you're doing is hurting the testimony of the Word of God. Everybody good? Anybody excited about the Word of God today? Thank you, Lord. All right, let's keep going. It's Bible study today. I know, it's boring. Bible study. According to Christians, the Bible's our holy book explains our God. It is not the same book that other religions use to define God. It is not the same book even as the Catholics use. I know that Catholics are lumped in as Christians, but it's impossible to have a different book and believe the same thing as Christians. Our belief systems come from our book, and if our books are different, our beliefs are different. Catholics are not real Christians. It's just the truth. Catholics are not real Christians because they believe things that are not biblical. Now, this is my personal opinion, and we would have to have Bible study for me to prove that to you. But, of course, I don't have time for that today. But I do believe that from a Christian perspective, from a Protestant perspective, we have the Bible, and this is what we believe is the inspired Word of God. And anything other than this is dangerous territory for us. Catholics would disagree with me, of course. It's not the same as the one Catholics use. Even though their book is similar to ours, it is different. It is not the same one as the Muslim use. Muslims use the Quran. Strangely, or it's, yeah, Islamics, they use the Quran. Strangely, their book has some similarities to the Bible, but when you study their history and their connection to the Jewish people long ago, it makes more sense as to why they have a God and a prophet, almost like a big God and a small God. It's very similar to our Bible. 
Interestingly enough, it's almost like everybody believes kind of the same thing in a different way. Yeah. We believe that the Bible is the only God-inspired book that defines God accurately. And here's the point. Let me get, thank y'all for still staying in here today. This is not provable. I can't prove it to you. Because the first thing you think is, Pastor, prove it to me that you're saying all this stuff is true. I can't. I just can't, like I can't prove there's a God either. Hey, God, come on out. Show them. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Where's God at? Exactly. I knew you would say that. I knew you'd be like, how come your Bible is better than the Catholic Bible? How come the Quran's not the truth? I know. That's, the, that's where we go every time. It's all by faith. I preach it as truth because I believe it's true. But if you don't believe that, you disagree with me, that's fine. Right? I can't prove to you what I'm saying. But I can say what I'm saying is believable. I might not could prove it to you, and I might not could show it to you, but if you study for yourself, you can show yourself, and you can know yourself, and you can begin to believe what I believe, but you've got to take the journey I took to believe what I believe, and if you're not willing or hungry to search the scriptures, you will never find the truth. Step one, do you believe in a God? Step two, who is it? Step one, do you believe in a God? Step two, who is it? Is it Muhammad? Who is it? Is it Buddha? Who is it? Is it the sun? Is it the dirt? Is it the carpet? Is it the metal? Is it the iPhone? Who's God? Who's God? you got to research to find God. Study the Quran. Do what you got to do. Go look. Go pray to that God. See if he answers you. See what happens. Study. Seek. Go to the Catholic Church. I'm not afraid of that one bit. Go study. I'll go with you. Let's go pray and see if God moves the way they pray. Let's study, y'all. I'm not afraid. I have nothing to hide. Let's do it. Let's do whatever we got to do. Let's find the truth. Let's find the truth. Let's be saved. Let's not be deceived. I'm not, I'm not putting my salvation out there. I'm not more Pentecostal than I am Christian. I am not more apostolic than I am biblical. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust God first, and I'll give up everything else. I'm not worried about reputation. I'm going to be saved, y'all. I want to know the truth, y'all. I want to do what's right, and I'm doing what I'm doing right now because I've tried it, and it works. And everybody I know that tries it, it works. I should say, everyone that I know that tries it correctly, it works. Some people say they try it, but they don't try it. Not for real. So what I'm saying today is not provable from me to you, but it is believable. It is a book that must be studied and investigated, the Bible. The majority of unbelievers and doubters have never taken time to truly understand the Bible, and that's why there's doubters is because people won't spend time with it. I, I would dare not get in a, in a shouting match with Elon Musk over rocket technology. Do you think I would dare challenge someone with that much knowledge on rockets or batteries or cars that make funny sounds? you think I would dare challenge someone like that in his profession? No way. But this is my profession. This is where I study. This is where I spend my time. If you want to talk to somebody about things that are eternal, things you can't understand or figure out with logic, this is where I spend my investments. This is what I care about. 
And anybody who's truly ever taken the time to study and obey the scriptures has been blessed by it. But people only learn just enough to demonize the Bible. I, I know people look in the Bible to, to try to prove it's not real. Because if you can disqualify the Bible, you can sleep better at night believing that you won't go to hell. I get, I get the temptation to disprove the Bible. I get why you'd want to not like it. Because if it's not true, then you can just rest, you can sin, you can go get drunk tonight and not worry about consequences. Except for the consequences of being drunk. All right, y'all good? Let's close it out. Here we go. For some reason... The Bible is such a threat to people. And I thought about, why would people hate it so much? Well, let's look at some reasons why people might hate the Bible. Horrible stuff, right? You ready? Horrible stuff. The Bible tells us to turn the other cheek and let people hit us again. And that makes people really mad they get to hit us twice. Why are they mad about that? I'm giving you a free hit. I'm giving you two. I'm not giving you three. I'll hit you back on three, okay? <laughs> but I'll forgive you sometimes, 70. Amen. Yeah. We're told to turn the other cheek. I know you are quiet right now because a lot of you are like, no, I'm not doing that, but that's why I'm preaching to you right now. Yeah. We're told to turn the other cheek and let people hit us again. Yeah. That's literal. Oh, it's figurative. That means let someone take your candy twice. Like, you can't create another narrative in the scripture. It literally means if someone hits you and they're mad, let them hit you again. Some of y'all need to get hit just to find out if you're a Christian or not. I'm a Christian. Let's, let's see. Let's see. You know the old commercials of the little owl that used to lick the, to the Tootsie Pop thing? How many licks does it take to get to the bottom of the... It's like, how many slaps does it take to get to the bottom of the Christian? One. Two. Oh, there he is. There he is. Devil inside of that Christian. People hate Christians because we're told to turn the other cheek and let them hit us twice. Because that's a horrible feature, right? So that's a horrible characteristic of us. Uh, the Bible tells us to give away our jacket if you ask for it. I know. Isn't, isn't it stink to have friends that are Christians? I mean, it's so horrible having to have people around you that have to give you stuff. I know. Bible tells us to carry people's bags two miles, not just one. Isn't it stink to have Christian friends? Jacket, get to slap them, got to carry their bags. The Bible's a horrible book. Burn it! It's so scary. <laughs> Have you read it? That doesn't make sense to me at all. The Bible says love your enemies. That means our enemies get to use us wrong and we still love them. But I hate that Bible. The Bible says not to love money. So you don't have to give us raises. Isn't that nice? Some of you are like, no, pastor, no, you, cr you cross the line. What that means is you won't lose your mind over money. Who wouldn't want to hire someone like that? And you don't like the Bible? What's wrong with this world? The Bible tells us, uh, pray for those who hurt us. Forgive people seven times 70. And you don't like the Bible? Okay. The Bible says love people more than we love ourselves. And you're mad at the Bible. The Bible says help people be healed and get to heaven. That's a horrible quality, isn't it? Bible says we should spend time together in fellowship, breaking bread, and having a good time. Isn't that bad? This is a demonic book. I can just see the devil all up in it. And yet the world hates the Bible. Help us, Lord. I have a quick tip for you. 
in the age of working on Sundays and Wednesdays, when your boss says you can't go to church, you have to work, you tell your boss you don't understand all the good things I get from church that make me a better employee for you. Your boss thinks that you're better missing church, but your boss don't know the truth. You don't want to see me on Monday after I miss my Sunday. You don't want me dealing with no customer service uh, when I ain't prayed upright uh, and I, I got all kinds of issues. Uh, trust me, boss. Uh, you don't want me coming up in Sunday not praying right and having a pastor in my life when all hell trying to destroy me. You need me to go to church if I'm going to be a good worker. Maybe if, maybe if people that we work for would see how much better we are for being a Christian, they would let us off work for church more. Always gets quiet on that. Back to that love and money thing. You would think this evil world would want more Christians around so that they can have more people to take advantage of. But on the contrary, evil would rather silence our voices because we are the people of light. And the people of darkness hate the light. The people of darkness hate the way of the light. They hate the way it shines on their evil deeds. Like some people got mad when I talked about them not missing church because of work. It's light shining into darkness. And it frustrates the flesh. And it makes people upset at their pastor. Why did you get off of that topic? That's why I'm not off the topic. One of the best ways to know that you're in the dark is when you hate confrontation with the light. One of the best ways to know you're not living right is whenever it just goes all over your skin, whenever I tell you to live holy. That's one of the best ways to know that you're in the darkness and you love the darkness is when the light comes on and you go, get away from me. If you can't stand Christian confrontation, then you are a darkness lover. And we just, we just for the first time manifested it. You didn't even know you were. You don't know how much you love darkness until light shines. Last three things today before we close, and those are three points that people say, reasons why they can't trust the Bible, and reasons why they can't believe in God, and I think this will help you. If you haven't listened yet, listen to the rest of this, because this is stuff that you guys have asked questions on, people online watching are curious about, they would love to know the answers. Number one, people say, how could you believe in a God that kills people? Now, this is just one study I'm going to do that affects a lot of umbrella, but when you read the Old Testament... Because that's what they're referring to, by the way, because ain't nobody killed nobody in the New Testament that was a Christian. The only people that killed people in the New Testament were non-Christians, just fun fact. Yeah. New Testament church, non-Christians are killing people. Right. Okay? Let's just make sure we have our histor history lesson here. We are not the killers. Okay? We're not the killers. We're the savers. So when people say, how could you believe in a book where a God says kill people? That's, they're curious about it. So let me give you an explanation. They're referring to the Old Testament, and most have never studied the Bible, that and they accuse God of being a murderer. And that's exactly what you're doing. Whenever you say God killed people, you're accusing our God of being a murderer. You and I both know that killing somebody is not wrong if it's in self-defense. I'm not trying to kill you. If I'm running, throwing rocks at you, and you trip on the rock and hit your head and die, I didn't try to kill you. I'm not trying to kill you. Okay? So we know there's a difference in 
killing and murder. So first of all, when people say, I read the Old Testament and it looks like God is killing people, you've got to understand a few things about God. God does not just destroy on a whim emotionally. He is slow to wrath, slow to anger. God does not just get upset at people and kill them. Read the Bible. The first thing we've got to know about God is our God is a righteous judge, and he does not execute without extreme caution. And if you look, you'll find where God did everything possible to warn and guide people away from their evil ways long before he ever killed anybody or gave judgment on anybody. Our God was gracious in the Old Testament. Our God saved Adam and Eve by killing an animal because he loved them so much. Our God does not want to destroy. Our God wants to save. And from the beginning of the Bible, our God did not want to kill anybody. But you don't want to read the Bible. You just want to go find somewhere where somebody was killed and the earth was opened up and then the, the tribe of Korah fell on the ground. And that's all you want to believe about God because that helps you sleep at night going, there is not a real God. But if you study, you find out that God loves people. That God doesn't want to kill anybody. And by the way, if you believe God is righteous and all-knowing and all-wise and he can do what he wants and he's still okay. If you look... You'll find where God did everything possible to warn and guide people. Also, I think it's kind of hypocritical because we are okay with people coming up in our house. And we're not okay with people coming up in our house doing something crazy. We say, put them in jail. Just let them all go then. Let's let everybody go. Oh, you don't believe in judgment? You don't believe judges have the power to create judgment, executions, and jail time? Is that what we believe? It's hypocritical to say that God can't judge. Whenever you let people do it, when they break on your property, you're happy they go to jail. Because you believe there should be a penalty for wrong, and so does God. So it's a hypocrite. It's a hypocrite to say that God can't commit judgment. And when God decides to destroy something, it's righteous judgment, and you can't sit there and say, our God is some big mean God. Because our God never does it unless it needs to be done. But the Old Testament's full of nasty things happening. It seems like God is just letting it happen. Why, why were kings allowed to have multiple wives? And why were women seemingly treated like property in the Old Testament? Why were people killed in war after war? Here's your answer. Are you ready? Because people are evil. People are hateful. People are abusive. In the Old Testament, it's full of darkness. It's full of people not obeying God. And the reason why it was so nasty in the Old Testament is because people were selfish in the Old Testament. Listen to this. People are evil and they're hateful and they're abusive because they have a horrible fallen nature because people need saving. And that's the whole beauty of it. The beauty of the Bible is that the Old Testament shows darkness and the new shows light. The old shows lost and the new shows saved. Now you know why the angels rejoiced when all of a sudden Jesus was on the way. Do you know why the angels shouted and rejoiced the night that Jesus was being announced? Because finally the Savior had come. The angels had witnessed death and darkness for long enough. And for 4,000 years they'd seen God just try to work with man through judgment. But finally God said enough of this. I'm going to go love those people. And the angels rejoiced. 
And the angels shouted because the New Testament, listen, the New Testament shines brighter to the backdrop of the Old Testament. The Old Testament shows the problem and the New Testament shows the solution. And the solution is Emmanuel, God with us. That's why I want to know the old because now it gives credit to the new. I like the old because it shows we need them. I like the old because it shows we're crazy without them. I like the old because it shows that we need God with us and not away from us. But I know people that read the Old Testament to try to prove there is no God. Because you don't want to study it as a full story. You just want to find something to try to act like there is no God and you've got to help people understand. You can use your ignorance of the Old Testament as your scapegoat if you want to. But as for me, I see the whole story in context. And I only see a loving God that is worthy to serve and obey. Second, why does your God let bad things happen to good people? It would take an entire sermon to deduce the words bad and good that you've asked me. We throw around words bad and good and have no clue what context they're in. What do you mean good things or bad things? What do you mean why do bad things happen to good? You have to define the terms bad and good. So I don't have time for that. But I will one day. I will explain that soon. But for now, I will say emphatically, God does not mess up, people do. His ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher. And as long as there's sin in this world and evil in this world, there will be planes running into buildings. As long as there is a world without God, there will be pain and suffering. Why do bad things happen? Because people are evil. The world is messed up. But hear me when I tell you, nothing bad will ever happen in heaven. Yeah, I got good news for you today. There'll be no evil in heaven. Or you want to go to heaven? I know you don't like this world. You're mad about it. You're wondering what's going on, but I got good news for you. There'll be no evil in heaven. There'll be no terrorist. Uh, no need to jump out of a burning skyscraper in heaven. There'll be no children who lost a parent early in life uh, or a parent who lost a child in heaven. In heaven, there'll be none of that pain and suffering. Everybody's like, I'm worried about bad things happening down here temporarily. And I'm like, I'm worried about bad stuff happening to you forever. I just don't understand why bad things happen on the earth. I'm, I just don't understand why you would ignore my message today and go to hell. What, how, what hypocrisy is it to complain about bad things and then just have more bad things? I just don't like the fact. I couldn't believe in God because bad things happen. I'm like, there's going to be some bad things happen later too. But heaven is the hope for us. The hope for us. Lastly, and we're going to close out. Thank you for your patience today. I can't believe in a God or a Bible that throws people in hell for not doing what He asks you to do. He sounds like a mean God. I believe that is also a hypocritical statement. Do you party with your enemies? Let's be real today. Talking about how God's going to let everybody in heaven. Do you let everybody in your parties? Hello? Do you invite everybody to your Christmas party? Oh, oh, but God is going to let everybody just come on in heaven because that's what love does. Is that what you do? Do you, do you hate everyone not invited to your party? No. You just don't love them enough. Right? 
Oh, no, it's not that either. The truth is there are people you love that you don't want to be around. But yet God can't do that, can he? God loves everybody, but he doesn't want to hang out with people that don't want to hang out with him. Let me make this point before you, before you go today, physically or mentally. Let me make this point, okay? You don't party with your enemies. At best, you forgive them and you move on past them. But you don't let somebody who refuses to respect you live in your house and abuse you every day and every night. Because you, while you may can endure that evil person from time to time, you would not want to endure them forever. And heaven is about forever. And the reason why God's letting you still be alive right now is because he can endure you for 80 years. But he ain't going to put up with it forever. Just like you wouldn't. You can't fault God for something you do. You can't. God's not mean. You wouldn't live with your enemy either forever, would you? No. Heaven is not just a place. Uh, it's God's house. And I'm sorry, but there's only one God and there's only one house to party in for eternity. If it's his house, it's either his house or hell. You can't have third option. Because anybody not partying with Jesus forever ain't going to like the party they're going to. There's only one option, and that's the party Jesus is going to put on forever. And if you're not on his side, if you're not in his heart, and he's in your heart, if you're not tight with him, then you will end up in hell, and it will be no one's fault but your own. Because you have every reason and ability to come to the altar today. But another service I fear might go by where you walk away and you'll be like, God's so mean. I just proved to you God's not mean. He died for you. He died so you could come into the party. He died so you could get cleaned up and get right and you could be with him forever. He's not a mean God. He loves you. Jesus died so you could live. So trust me when I tell you it's your choice to be lost. God's not going to make anybody go to hell. You are going to go there. Just like you don't want to go to church, you don't want to really go to heaven. It's a choice you make to live a life that's for God. He's not going to make anybody go to hell. He's just not going to let you go to the party. There's only one place left if you ain't getting in the house. Only one place left. And that's the absence of God. And the absence of God is hell. And the presence of God is heaven. He's not going to make anybody go to hell. He's not making anybody do anything. He said, I'm a servant to all. I love you all. Do not let the spirit of the day do that. But pastor, what about the tribes of the jungle that don't know Jesus and don't have access to a Bible? Will they be saved? We've heard it all around here. I already told you. The Bible doesn't spark a belief in God, but God sparks a desire to find the Bible in people. Every tribe that missionaries have ever walked up on have had the opportunity to respond with openness or hate. Some tribes will kill you, others will convert. It's not the Bible that comes first, it's the curiosity, it's the wonder, it's the drawing on the cave wall that says maybe there's something more out there and that's when you begin to search and that's when you begin to look and if you're truly hungry for God, He will find a way to get you a Bible. Tell me them tribes can't get up in a canoe and go somewhere and ask somebody about who God is. 
Looking for a reason to not believe in God is a lie of the devil. I believe in the Bible and that this Bible tells me it's God about God. I've tested it. I've tried it. And it's verifiable to anybody sincere, to, to all our friends that believe in Jesus. I hope you believe in the Bible. If you're watching online right now and you believe in Jesus, you've got to also believe in the Bible. You believe in a God, world, that's great. You believe in a God, but which God is the one that can save you? How do you know how to be saved without the Bible? Help us, God, to love the Bible. A couple more things. A couple more things. Stay with me. Grandma got her ideas about God and salvation from where? The Bible. Your history is biblical. Go back to the Bible to find the truth. If it blessed somebody in your family tree, go back to the Bible. You can't talk to grandma. She's dead now. Go to the book that grandma read. Go to the book that grandma read. Go study the book that we read and find it for yourself. The pastor on YouTube claims to use the Bible. We all use the Bible. We have a church because it's the Bible. We pray because of the Bible. So why don't we take time and study it for ourselves since it's where we get all the ideas from. We believe it because it's biblical. It's time at AFC, it's time for us guests and members to really study for ourselves. We at AFC are not afraid of any verse. There are no denominational verses in the Bible. We don't have favorite verses at AFC. You can ask us any question about the Bible and it will never throw me off, scare me, or make me worried about my doctrine. Because truth is truth. And if it's right, then we'll get it right eventually. But we are not afraid of the Word of God. You can ask any question about the Word of God and we will answer it happily. We will not dismiss the Word of God or your questions for fear that it will hurt our traditions. We won't do that. If you believe the Bible, I'm putting a call out right now to every one of us. Number one, study it with us. Number two, get into Bible study. I know it can be confusing and I know there's questions you have and because of pride we don't ask questions, but you've got to get in love with the Bible. We've got to have a revolution of the Bible. We've got to come back to believing in the Bible. It took me a while to make my point today, but my whole point was this, God renewing us a desire for the Word of God. This is truth. This is life. And we've got to quote it and know it and state it because we cannot be saved by just our philosophies, ignoring the Scripture. If you truly want to be saved, you've got to get your hands on the Bible. My prayer today was that we resurrect the love for the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, I can't be there for all of y'all. I can't live in your house, but this can. I can't rescue you in times of the storm, but this can. Break it out in home Bible studies. Quote it, use it, talk about it over coffee with your wife. We've got to have the Word of God in our lives. We've got to love the Word of God. There are no excuses. We need the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we stand for a moment today before we leave this house, before we do anything else? I just want us to get a new consecration to the Word of God because I'm having a hard time getting through with scriptures in the last days. I fear it's because there's a doubt for God's Word and it's a part of the last days. And we've got to stand firm on the Word and fight back in Jesus' name to stand for the scriptures. This is our lifeline. This is how we know to be saved. We wouldn't know how to pray. We wouldn't know how to do anything we do. We would do except for the Word of God tells us. 
I just hit on a few things today, and there's so much more, but, but please, please fall in love with the Word of God. Please trust it over anybody else. Please study your Hebrew and the Old Testament, your Greek and the New. Ask questions, get in Bible studies, and talk to us because we want to help you know the Bible. Please, live by the Word of God. We'll be judged by the Word of God. We're going to stand before God one day, and this book right here will judge us. We've got to know the Word of God. We've got to know the Word of God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Jesus, for helping us today. I hope that today a refreshing moment will come where we will revitalize our desire and our leaning on the word of God. I thank you, God, for the elders, and I thank you for those before us who have preached this word unashamedly. I thank you, God, for the doctrine that has been handed down to me of the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, the truth about grace, the truth about faith. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the church. Thank you, God, for this basis I built my family on, my life on. I trust this over anything else. I do what this says no matter how I feel. I know the word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. I've got to know the word, Jesus. I've got to have it in my heart. And God, I pray for every guest, God, every new Christian today that is searching. I pray that they would fall in love with the word and they would believe it and study it like I have. And they would begin to get core in their spirit and strong in their heart. God, help us not to get so busy that we cannot lean and quote and know the word of God. We're in a famine in the last days, in a famine of the Word of God. I want people at our church to love your Word, God. Help us to manifest it. Help us to talk about it, not be afraid of it, not argue over it, but to be open to the Scriptures, to sit down and talk about it in a way that produces life, that plants a seed. I thank you, God, for helping us right now. In Jesus' name. Can we take a moment or two? We don't have church tonight. We just have prayer at five. Can we take a moment or two to come down to this front, bring somebody with you if you want to, and can we make a commitment that we were going to be saved using this book? Will you gather down here right now as a show of good faith that we are going to realign ourselves with the Word of God? I want to pray over us today before we leave. I feel like God is trying to stir something up in the church in the last days that has been dormant and quiet and asleep for a very long time. I feel like God wants me to come today and push us and challenge us and preach against the spirit of darkness that's coming against us. Everybody's confused. Everybody's fighting. There is no unity because we don't go by the word anymore because we've watered down the truth. God, it can't be so here. There's no way we'll survive the last days if we're not a church that's built on the rock if we keep building on the sand we will not make it in the name of Jesus God let us all come down here today let every guest every member come down here and say God I've got to fall back in love with thus saith the word I believe that there is a God and I believe that the Bible tells me who you are and how I can be saved God Put it in our hearts again to love it. Uh, put it in our hearts again to talk about it. Uh, let us not be afraid of it, God. Let us not refute it, God. Refute it uh, and push it away from us, God. The Bible is where we go to to be saved. The Bible is where we go to to not be lost. 
Thank you for the word you gave to us. Thank you for the records. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you, God, for the stories that build our faith, that give us direction, that light our path, God. Y'all, we'd be lost if it wasn't for this word. We'd be lost if it wasn't for God's directions, if it wasn't for the road map, if it wasn't for the word of God. Forget about everything else and get in the book, ask questions, get thirsty for God. These pages tell us everything that we need to know. These pages tell us the truth. It's like water. It's like bread. God, forgive us for not loving the Word and trusting the Word. Come on, turn off YouTube. Turn off everybody else's teachings about the Bible and get it open yourself. If you've got to get a more modern translation, then do it to read and just study it. Look up the word meanings. Look up the Greek for the New Testament. Look up the Hebrew for the Old and hear from God. Let God talk to you through His Word. Come on, let's don't be afraid of the light in the last days. If you are uncomfortable today, you need to pray right now and repent because it's a sign that I'm not really ready. I'm not really right with God. If you are uncomfortable today, it's because we preached and we poked and we pushed and we pricked the hearts today. And you've got to pray a prayer of repentance. God, I don't want to feel that way when I hear about the Word. I don't want to be guilty. I want to celebrate when He preaches about the Word. I want to rally behind the Word. I want to love that Word. When they preach about the word at AFC, I want to be excited about it. I want to know that I'm in it. I want to know that I love it. Praise God. I know that while I was preaching, my wife was watching the video saying amen because she, she's in the book, because she reads it, because she uses it, because she studies it. There was no guilt. When you live by the word of God, your heart begins to confirm the word, and you feel energy when I preach this message. You don't feel guilt or condemnation. If you feel that, then you must repent today and say, Lord, I have neglected the bread. I've neglected your word, God. I come to church, but I don't get into the Word, and I've got to make things right today, God. I've got to make sure I hear the Word. I've got to make sure that I study and I'm a doer of the Word. I've got to make sure it's valid in my life. You should be able to prove that there's a one God through the Scriptures. You should be able to prove that you need to speak in tongues and receive the Holy Ghost and repent and be baptized. You should be able to prove things like we're saved through grace by faith. You should be able to prove the Scriptures and the doctrines of salvation. God, help us to be able to support the Word. Get your great steps notes back out and study to say I'm a woman and I'm a man and I'm going to act like one and live like one because the Bible tells me to get the word out and stand on the word because this word is the testimony of God. It is the truth. Thank you, God, for your word. I'm just letting it settle in right now. I know we've dug deep today. We've hit some rocks today. We've hit some tough ground today. But I have to push you. I've got to push you because there's a word famine Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Speak to us today in the Spirit, God. One of the first things that I found out about this area, Del Valley, is that there is very little food. One of the first things that I found about this location is that there's hardly any place to eat. Go after church and try to find something. And I feel like it might be a spiritual symbol 
that this is a famine land. This is a, not just naturally a famine, but spiritually a famine. This is not a place that, that wants to eat. There's no food. There's no nourishment. God, help us revive the word in Del Valley. Help us to know the word in this barren land. Help us, God, to preach the word, to live the word. I got to know it so I can live it so I can preach it. I got to know it so I can live it so I can preach it. I've got to know it so I can live it so I can preach it. Oh, God, help us today to get a new passion, a new desire for the Word. Thank you, Jesus. When a problem is brought to me as your pastor, the first thing I say is, what does the Word say? When someone talks to me and says, I believe this, I say, what does the word say? In my mind, it's the first thing I do is I say, what does the word say? I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be tricked. I go, I go to the word. Sometimes you ask me something, and pastor, I think about this, and you see me freeze. And what's happening in my mind is my gears are turning, and I'm saying, God, give me a scripture. I want to make sure I'm building on the rock. Because I have to make sure I'm right with God's word i got to make sure I'm right with God's Word because my, my soul can trick me and my thoughts can trick me and my emotions can trick me, but the Word is right. The Word is right. The Word will never fail me. It's never taken me the wrong way. Before you ever do a thing, ever think a thing, you wouldn't even pray if the Word hadn't told you. Well, i got to go to prayer. You didn't even know you had to go to prayer because the Word told you to go to prayer. If you don't know the Word, you don't even know how to pray. God, we have to know the Word. Get you a big print Bible if you have to. Ask Mr. Hughes to buy you one. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, get the word. Come on, from my heart today, I hope you'll fall back in love with the Bible. This generation needs the word of God. Thank you, Brother Hugh, for loving the word of God like you do. Give us men like Brother Hugh that love the word of God. <laughs> Brother Hugh, I know why you love the word of God. You've told me. You've said it multiple times. Back at East Texas. My pastor, boy, we'd be on the front row with notes. We'd take, we'd take notes, the Bible study, the Bible study, notes, notes. That's why you love the Word of God. You love the Word of God because that's what he was born in. That's what he was built on. That's what's kept him stable all these years. We've got to have a love for the Word of God. Enough philosophy. Enough, I think this. Enough, I'm smarter than the Word. Enough of that. God, humble us. Make us have humility. Enough thinking we know more. I saw a video. I saw a TikTok. I know all. No, you don't. No, you don't. This world has got so much knowledge and they're so hurting. This is the answer right here. This is. So get a Bible study. Study it. Teach your, your family and your friends. And say, we'll die by this. We'll live by this. We'll die by this. This is truth. And let's be preachers of righteousness in the last days. Let's not be caught up in the last days. Let's not be fooled in the last days. Musicians, study the Word of God. Singers, study the Word of God. You are not singers first. Your Word first. You're not musicians first. Your Word first. You're not ushers first. Your Word first. You can't usher right if you don't know the Word of God. You're not sound men first. You can't keep the right spirit in the sound booth if you don't know the Word. You'll backslide. You're not youth workers first. You're word first. This is who we all are. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lift your heads again before we leave today. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I hope a seat was planted for you. I hope a seat was planted. I know it's not emotional. I know I'm just digging right now, hoping to get to the spirit and the soul. I know it's not something you just get emotional about. This is a decision you've got to make and say, that's it. Pastor, that's it. Enough excuses. Enough doubting it. Our God is real. And the Bible is the answer. And I'm going to study the Bible. And I'm going to know, and I'm going to ask you. If I don't know, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask somebody, but I'm going to know the Bible. I'm going to know it from front to back. I'm going to understand. I'm going to breathe it, digest it. I'm going to be saved because this is the roadmap of salvation. This is the plan of God to be saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. I love it when you text me. Hey, pastor, I have a question about the Bible. I hope you're not busy. I live for those moments. I love it. You're never going to bother me. Never going to bother me. Text away. I don't understand why this happened. Apparently, there were angels that had babies with humans. And I want to know, am I from an angel? That might be a good pickup line for some of y'all. Was your mom an angel? It's biblical. I am not scared of your questions. I'm not afraid of it. Ask, talk. When you sit down and you go fishing, talk about the Bible. Some of y'all go fishing. Where are y'all at, my fishermen at? Y'all went to the lake the other day, but Cisco, Adrian, some of y'all at the lake. Don't just talk about the fish. Be like, you know what, read, what I read in the Bible the other day? Talk about God. Use the scripture. Iron sharpens iron. When you're building Matthew's house, talk about, talk about the Bible. Yeah, be like, you know what, Jesus was a carpenter. Use the word. I love it, y'all. Thank y'all for hanging with me today.